Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 34, AMC Apes, the movie. There was a a great little film made a long time ago. It's called The Independent. And Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad, he, he played this film producer director named Morty Feynman. And I don't know if you know who Roger Corman is. Roger Corman, back in the, the 50s, 60s, made a bunch, and, and 70s, 80s, 90s, I guess, maybe even today, he'd make, you know, B movies, the, you know, these low budget exploitation films. And I actually worked for Roger Corman for a little while. I'll, t- I'll tell you more about that later. Um, anyway, so he makes these little little films, and it was it was a, it was a nice little film. But one of the, the funniest things is at the end credits they list all the hundreds of movies that, that he's made, and there's a list of these these movies. And m- some of my favorite are. Um, you know, it lists them through like the seventies, the eighties, and it would just be a fad, um, and then it would it would be that fad, the movie, like Rubik's Cube, the movie, um, you know, Pong, the movie. So it would be like the just whatever the fad was, and then it would be the movie. So uh, that's that's where this episode comes from. AMC Apes, the movie. There's probably going to be movies made about this movement. So I want to talk to you about a moment. And it's going to be after the MOAS. And a lot of people, I've talked about a million new millionaires. So someone's going to write about a, a book about this. Somebody's going to option that book, you know, buy the rights to it to make a movie. And they're going to make a movie. And then you, as an ape... Probably going to go see this movie. And it's one of those things that I'm, I'm really curious at what's going on right now. On the hedge fund side. On other apes side. <clears throat> what, what's everybody going through? The financial markets. What, they, what do they think about what's going on? What's the SEC doing? Maybe there's something going on that we we don't know about. And when you talk about movies, I don't know if you ever, you ever seen the movie um, Stalag Seventeen. William Holden, great World War II prison film. I, I think it was kind of the basis of Hogan's Heroes. Maybe I'm not sure about that. But same idea. It takes place in a, a the American prisoners of war in a German. Uh, prisoner of war camp and there's, there's a great moment everybody thinks William Holden is a uh, <clears throat> he's kind of a hustler always working these cons and everybody thinks he's cooperating you know with the Germans and at one point um, I, b- I believe you know someone dies and that's it that's the snapping point the mob believes William Holden, you know, sold the person out, they got killed. 
So the, the rest of the barracks beats the hell out of him, takes all his stuff, all the stuff he's profited while he's been there. <clears throat> so the thing about it is William Holden knows it wasn't him. He knows he's not the rat, but he's got to figure it out. Who was it? Who really is the the spy in their ranks? And um, and he finally does. And at the end of the you know the the movie, as he's you know making his escape with somebody else, um, you know some of the people that had beaten him up, you know they say to them, "Boy, were we wrong about you, brother?" I hope we're going to feel that way about the SEC. And Gary, boy, were we wrong about you. There may be, hopefully, there are things going on. And one day we'll, we'll see it in the news. And they'll put things right. I hope so. I really do hope so. And, uh, you know, the other thing real quick about that movie, I never quite understood at the time. It's funny, you watch things when you're a kid, you don't understand them. You get older and you're like, okay, I get that now. And um, when William Holden's escaping with the, another prisoner, he's, they're going out the, you know, escape hatch in the bottom of the barracks. And he tells the rest of the people in, in, the, in, the, in the prison barracks, he's like, you know, by the way, if I ever run into you guys back in the, you know, the States after all this, listen, if I ever bump into you, let's just pretend we never met. And I didn't quite understand that. I was like, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he want to know, you know, the these people he knows? And then later in life, yeah, I get it. Another, another ending like that, I never quite got. Um, the movie Escape from New York, uh, John Carpenter's film with Kurt Russell. And at the end of it, he, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> it's only been, what, 40 years? <laughs> anyway, um, he, he saves the president, and the president was going to deliver this message and play this tape for everybody. And this tape was going to help stop this nuclear war, right? And um, Pliskin asked the president, you know, a lot of people died trying to save you, Mr. President. I just want to know how you feel about that. And the president just gives him sort of this little pat, you know, answer, you know, oh, the nation appreciates their sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so um, Pliskin not only saved the president, but he got the tape that was so desperately needed. Um, back in the day before we had audio files and you could just email somebody another copy of it. Anyway, regardless. Um, so the president goes to play this tape and... Um, <laughs> It, it starts playing music instead of this conference that he talked about or whatever this important thing was. And Pliskin had given the president the wrong tape. Like there was a cab driver in the film and he was always playing this tape. And uh, Pliskin gave him the tape that the, the cab driver had of his music. And then you see Kurt Russell, Snake Pliskin, walking away. And he's got the real tape in his hands. And uh, I don't know <laughs> how many kids out there remember, you know, or ever, ever seen an audio tape, but it's it's a little cassette tape, and it has little magnetic tape in it. And it's funny, every once in a while, it would, that little rat, that tape would get caught in the machine. It would be just like this big spaghetti of tape. Anyway, so he takes this magnetic tape, and he just starts pulling it out of the cassette and pulling it out and ripping it up and pulling it out and ripping it up. And I remember I thought, as a kid, you're like, wait a minute, the, the world's going to die in a nuclear war, and you're ripping up this tape? 
I never quite got that <clears throat> when I was a kid. I get it now, though. <laughs> I get it now. So uh, back to that moment that I was telling you about. You're going to go to a movie theater, probably hopefully an AMC movie theater. You might have your family there, your friends, some of your fellow apes. You might go together to watch this movie. And you got a big thing of popcorn. Lights go down. And you start watching this movie. It's about the ape movement. And it's just like the the big short, except from the AMC GME perspective. Probably have a you know big cast. You know, I talked about that movie Nashville. There's like 20, you know, it's an ensemble cast of like 20 actors or probably more. And they all interact in the film, you know. They, they, they're they in different scenes with each other. But a huge, huge cast. So, you, you know, you wonder if they'll have a big cast of um, apes. Or maybe it'll focus on one ape. Who knows? But it'll basically, you know, on one side you'll have these apes. Regular working people who just start investing in this stock because someone told them. They saw it on Reddit. They saw it on the Internet. A friend told them. And it grew into the ape movement. Then on the other side, you'll have the rich hedge funds, all the financial institutions that, you know, underestimated the apes, maybe. Remember, they could have got out of this at $2. Five dollars. They could have said, "Hey, we made a mistake." Walked away. Instead, they went to war. Went to war with the apes. And who knows? This this film ain't done. They may win. They still may win. It's not done. You know, last podcast I said this could go on for a while. You know, get ready for 2022, get ready for 2023, 2024. Who knows? I hope I I wanted it to be over in a matter of days. Right? I wanted it to be over on Friday, September 3rd. <laughs> but we're in a fight. We're in a war. And... I don't know how much you know about history, but I want you to start Googling wars, conflicts, because that's what we're in. Now, the good news is there's a lot of us, millions, millions of retail investors. The bad news is we're up against these hedge funds, this is their game. I freely admit I know very little about investing. I know very little about stocks. I know very little about Wall Street. I know buy and hold, though. I know that. Outside of that, you know, I couldn't tell you much. And I know there's a, a million of other, other people out there just like me. And we're all holding. And we're hoping for the MOAS 
and that life-changing money. And so this film's going to have those characters. Who knows? Probably the the you know some Saturday Night Live people, the uh, you know funny characters. Uh, who knows? You know, always in comedies. Maybe people from YouTube, YouTube fame people from all over. Who knows where they're going to get them? And then they're going to have the uh, obviously the uh, I would I would imagine that the hedge funds would be the unlikable people. So they'd get those smarmy whoever's really good at playing smarmy characters, that actor, actors. And you'll be in this movie theater, your popcorn, lights go out, show all the trailers, blah, blah, blah. But eventually your movie starts. And you're going to be able to see this whole story, at least from that perspective. You want to know what that's like? I don't know. Ask someone from Facebook. Facebook was started February 2004 by uh, Zuckerberg and Sanchez, I guess, at Harvard. Just a couple of kids, college kids, goofing around. By 2008, they had 100 million users. Four years, they had 100 million users. 2008. 2009, the book, The Accidental billionaires came out documenting the uh, founding of Facebook and in 2010 the social network comes out film directed by David Fincher and uh, about the founding of Facebook so imagine it's 2010 you're Mark Zuckerberg or you're one of the inside Facebook people or maybe you're you know, you're the, um, I forget the name, the twins, the Winkle, the Winklevoss, I think, something like that. The twins that hired Zuckerberg to, to create their website, and then he went off and did Facebook. And they sued him. You know, imagine you go into the theater that day to see, to see this movie. Or, you know, when you read the book. A little more fun watching a movie than reading a book. But, regardless, you'll find out one day we'll find out what's going on with the hedge funds, with us, with the SEC. We just don't know right now. Anyway, you'll watch this movie and you'll see, you know, all these people gradually learning about, you know, who knows, maybe it starts with GME going up and then it's the Facebook part of it or the, uh, the AMC part of it. Or who knows how they'll do it, but... Basically, you have this time where these people invest, and it's a growing movement. And the, and their side of the story is it's a growing movement. It's the little guy buying this stock when it's dirt cheap and starting to drive up that price. And growing is a movement and getting more people to do it and believing and dreaming one day like, hey, you know, this, this could go for, you know, a lot of money can be rich if this works out then on the other side you have the hedge funds the people that got greedy now, who knows what's going on i've heard all sorts of conspiracies with amazon bain capital and all these hedge funds that you know somehow they were all colluding together to drive out 
business rivals for Amazon. Make them go bankrupt. You know, if you, you know, one if you have a rival, one one time, one thing you can do is you can buy them and make them part of your company. The other thing you can do is drive them out of business. And some people, you know, have this theory. You know, may, who knows? Maybe we'll find out in the book. Maybe we'll find out in the movie after the fact. We just don't know for sure right now. But anyway, you'll have this kind of an animal house um, movie where you have these lovable losers, the apes, up against a very formidable antagonist, the hedge funds, Wall Street, maybe the corrupt SEC. Who knows? Maybe they're the good guys. Maybe the bad guys. I couldn't tell you right now, to be honest with you. I really couldn't. It's up to them. How do they want to be remembered in history? We'll see. And the movie starts and all these apes are just trying to put their money in, invest, hold their shares. I know from my perspective, you know, we went through this period where we just, you know, everything we could get our hands on that we could safely put in, we did. We didn't want to put ourselves in, in financial peril, losing our house, losing our retirements or anything. We haven't done that. We haven't gone in all in uh, like that. But, you know, if we we had an extra 100 bucks in cash, could that go towards AMC stock? Maybe. Credit card debt running up a little bit because you're, you know, doing minimum payments instead of bigger payments. Yeah, maybe maybe that'll be the story for a lot of people. Working an extra job to get money for. Who knows? But those are the stories that they'll be, and then it goes down, and you know all the ups and downs of of just investing and battling these hedge funds, and then you have the YouTubers, the influencers. They'll probably be in this story, and and then it when it looks the worst there's it always going to wait to that bad moment where it looks the worst right and they'll probably get played up in the movie like they're on the verge of selling selling their shares wherever it looks bleakest the bad guys are going to win something will happen and then it triggers the moass everybody's freaking out as they watch this stock climb. And then I'm sure there'll be doubters in the movie in the beginning saying, this is stupid, this is not going to work. You're dumb money. You're smooth-brained apes. The true value of AMC is one dollar, one penny. Stop buying this stock. Stop wasting our money. You can't do this. There'll be the moment where those people are watching this stock go to a thousand dollars five thousand dollars ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars who knows and beyond not financial advice who knows what it's actually going to go if it's going to squeeze and what it's going to go to but that would this would be the movie if it's going to be a movie made this way if amc goes to uh 75 dollars and that's it there ain't no movie <laughs> no one's gonna go buy a ticket to that movie 
AMC goes to $100,000 a share. That'll be a movie. That'll be a movie. Anyway, and that's it, you know. And then these people get this life-changing money. And they all have new lives. The movie could end with that. With people, you know, having new lives. Hedge funds are bankrupted. They're out of business. Is anybody going to go to jail? Probably not. Did they ever in this this realm? No, that's that's a nice thing. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna be a criminal, go be a criminal on Wall Street. Because you know, someone suspects you of passing a twenty dollar counterfeit, you know, bill. That could be a death sentence for some people. You steal billions of dollars on Wall Street. You corrupt a system. You get greedy. You get bailed out by the government. You get bonuses, million-dollar bonuses. Life goes on. You probably get a job in the government. And that's not fair. That's not right. But right now, that's our reality. They don't pay. You know, you pay. You make a billion dollars, and you get a you know million-dollar fine. I'll pay that every day. It's it's funny. Imagine we rob a bank, and they catch you, and they let you keep the money. You just got to, you know, pay about 10% in fines. Okay. I'm good with that. You you good with that? Well, I'm good. Here, here's your 10%. Whatever it is. Anyway. But that's it. That's, you know, this... Th- imagine in the future you go into the AMC to, to watch the AMC ape movie. It happened for the Facebook people. I imagine that's probably a little unreal. You know, you're part of founding a Facebook and then you go see the movie about the founding of your company. And we're not talking about, you know, was it the founder, the McDonald's story with Michael Keaton? You know, what if I'm a decades later? It was just a few years later. These guys founded this in their college dorm in 2004. And six years later, David Fincher has made a movie (laughs) about it. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. Um, It's quick, too. Let me tell you, as far as Hollywood and movie making, that's pretty quick. So I'm looking forward to that moment. But I'm, I'm curious to know what is going on on the other side. They don't exactly update us. But, you know, I've talked about that, I'm a, you know, I'm, I enjoy history. And recently I, I listened to an audio book on, um, it was Team Arrivals. But it talked about a moment early in the Civil War where the the rebel forces, I believe, forgive me if I, I get this wrong, but the general idea is, is legit. But the rebel forces were, they were close to D.C., close to Washington, and like they were across some river. And early on in the Civil War, Lincoln could not get a Union general that would fight and engage the South. And anyway, um, we had one of these generals, and they were, they were kind of standing off with the South, but they wouldn't attack. They wouldn't attack the South. They, they thought the South had... Uh, too strong defense, too strong of defenses. 
And they let him, you know, get away. Eventually, the self pulled pulled back, and by the time the union actually went after him, they were they were gone. They were long gone. But what they found was that, like, they thought these things were cannons. They're actually just tree trunks painted black. And that the South at that point was the the defenses were pretty weak. If the Union had gone in, they could have defeated the South very early on in the war. And it would have been over. But they didn't, and it went on for, you know, four long, bloody years. And I'm curious where those moments are now. When could this have been over? Could the hedge funds have covered it to $5? Just, it would have hurt, but it would have been done. But instead, they went to war, and they delayed this, allowing more people to come in. Who knows what is going on? That's the thing. How many synthetic shares are there? Who knows? Listen, my own gut feeling, right, is this is going to be as bad as Enron, Bernie Madoff, maybe even a whole lot worse. But we'll find out eventually. The truth comes out. It always does. But I'm looking forward to that day when I go to the, the movies and I, I see this story. And when I talk about a movie right now, I'm talking about like a big Hollywood production with actors and um, just kind of like the big short. But there's another movie you might have seen the uh, the Mulligan brothers. They're they're crowdfunding a documentary on the ape movement called Apes Together Strong. And um, if you want to help, you want you want to go to their website and uh, see what their movie's about. And if you want to submit your story or help, um, you want to uh, donate. Let's see. Their website is Apes Together Strong Doc. Dot com apes together strong doc.com and I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, this episode's description for that if you want to go check that out and you you want to submit your story to them or um, see what they're about and see their different if you know if you, when you you donate they have different um, levels and different rewards uh, that you can get so who knows maybe that will be the uh, ape movie you go to see in the movie theaters um or maybe it'll be the big million dollar production with uh leonardo dicaprio who knows so i said i would uh tell you a story about working for roger corman um so this is back in uh i started working for corman january 1992 so i moved out to California, um, gosh, wow, um, I guess it was September 1991, just thinking about it, that was, um, God, is that 30 years ago? If I'm doing the math right on that, 30 years ago? This month, right now. (laughs) Anyway, um, and for the first few months, I lived off my savings. And of course, I was going to be a very successful writer very quickly, so I wouldn't have to get a real job, you know. Well, I wasn't. 
Although I'll tell you this story. We first got out there, we didn't have an apartment. And I'd written a few scripts that were ready to go. So when I got there, I could start showing these, you know, TV scripts, movie scripts around, see if I could get a job writing on a TV show. Anyway, um, but we didn't have an apartment yet. So I, we got out there, and it was hard to get an apartment. We didn't have jobs. We were just out of college, and nobody really wanted to rent to us. So it took us a couple weeks to get an apartment, and we stayed with um, friends of my friends for one week, and then they're like, uh, you guys got to, you know, get moving out of here. <laughs> so we had to go live with another, uh, you know, group of friends, and we were running um, at the, to, almost a, they were ready to kick us out, and we finally got a place to live, right? But in the meantime, you know, again, this is me. This is who I am. Got to do it now. I have to do it now. And sometimes that bites me. And this was one of those instances. I had reached out to some some literary uh, agents in Hollywood. And some of them agreed to take a look at my TV script. So I, um, I sent them a script. Now, the address that I used was the, the temporary one that we had been staying at. So um, I, I sent the script to this one agent and, um, you know, was, was waiting. And uh, I'm trying to recall the whole story. But bottom line, what happened um was i i think i thought the agent had passed on it and there was either like some confusing in the phone call or i don't know what it was right but what what ended up happening was the, the agent sent the script back to the address we had been staying at and at the time um I did. I thought, well, they just sent it back. They that re, they had rejected it, and it was a good day. It was a good distance away. It wasn't around the corner. So I got a I got a message that hey, uh, you know, someone sent you a package. Now at the time, I just assumed it was the rejected script, and I never went and picked it up. Then eventually, they they forwarded it to me. They they sent it in the mail to me. And I opened it up. And this was months later. Months later. And the there was a note inside. And the agent had said, this is one of the funniest get-a-life scripts I've read. I'd, I'd love to work with you. And, and then even then when I reached out to the person, they, you know, something happened and they didn't want to work with me. It's it's so funny the momentum and these little things. But who knows if I had if I had waited till I had an actual address, who knows what would have happened then? I don't know. But I always thought of it like did I short circuit my career that quickly? What what could have happened? You know. So this is getting to that Roger Corman story. So money was running out, and I knew I had to get a job. And um, I saw that they were, Corman, you know, you could do a, be an intern for Roger Corman, his Concord Studios. And I, I knew who Roger Corman was because, like, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, they'd all worked for him in the 60s. And he was, he was sort of the place where you went when you were, uh, you know, a wannabe filmmaker. And he, he would give you a chance. The big studios wouldn't, but he would. And then you would 
work with him, and that was kind of like your graduate program. Then you would go on and get a studio job. So I knew that about him. So I, I, I thought that was good. Even though I'd be an inter- I wouldn't be getting paid, I thought it would be a good experience. And eventually maybe I would actually get paid. So I started as an intern, and they did about a movie a month. And I, I worked like on two movies not getting paid, and then by the third movie I actually got paid. Nice, huh? <laughs> Looking back on it. Um, but it was very hard work, very long hours. And, you know, doing a movie a month, a lot of people would take breaks. But I was, you know, I just finally started getting paid. And I didn't want to take a break. And I was also writing at night and on the weekends. And um, I I was getting really, you know, tired. And also sometimes we'd film at night. And on, this was my fifth film with them. And again, I was doing some more writing and kind of getting some good responses on my writing. So I was getting a little distracted with that and not maybe not being as focused as I was as a production assistant. And I think they were noticing this. But then the, the, deal, the, the deal killer came when, the, this was also around the time, of the, this is May, you know, April, May um, 1992, right? They'd, we'd had the LA riots. Now... Uh, we've been filming all night, and then they make the call sheets, right? So they, they write up a call sheet, which tells everybody when they need to show up the next day. And then they send a, an intern or production assistant to the local Kinko's. They make all the copies. They come back, and they distribute the call sheets. So everybody knows when they need to show up on set. So they have a list of all these Kinko's, and a lot of them are 24 hours. Well, we'd been filming all night, so we needed 24-hour Kinko's. So they sent me out to go get these copies made, and they sent me to a 24-hour Kinko's. Well, because of the L.A. riots, this particular Kinko's now was not 24 hours. They weren't going to open for another hour or two or whatever it was. So I said, well, you know, I I radioed back to them. I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to, you know, stay here? Do you want me to come back to set? And they they said, you you know, um, they said, well, just stay there you know, and wait for them to open. So I was, I was waiting for them and I was in my car and I was just waiting in my car. And unfortunately I fell asleep in my car and I was late. And they actually, and then the other thing was I had, I had reclined my seat a little bit. Um, so they sent somebody looking for me and they couldn't see me because my seat was reclined. And it was a big mess. The call sheets were late. They were furious and um, when I got back, they fired me. And uh, the film we were working on was called Die Trying. <laughs> and a lot of people were surprised because I was, a, in the beginning, I was a really good intern, really good PA. And a lot of people couldn't believe I got fired. But I did. I messed up, and I got fired. And uh, there was sort of this little movement that, you know, um, and... You know, people would write, like, Russ Corey died trying. You know, it was, like, graffiti or something. Um, but I always remember, like, even Will Wheaton had said something. He was on another film that they were doing, and I guess it was the stories of my demise were still going around, and I think Will Wheaton had said something about Russell Corey died trying. But I always thought, well, that's, you know, I'm going to go off and I'm going to get some success as a writer, and, you know, that'll be a great story. And it never was. I never had that success. But, um, it, you know, I'm... I, I enjoyed my time working for Corman, um, and I met some good friends doing that. 
but I always wondered what would happen if I hadn't fallen asleep. I think my big thing was hard was I really want to be a writer director, right? And I was like, well, how long, you know, are, is that really a path anyway? You know, can you start there as an intern, you know, production assistant and work your way up to being an actual, you know, writer director on these films? Y you know, is that even viable? I don't know. I don't know if it was. I, I don't, I, who knows how long you would have to stick around there and, and what your relationship, you know, would have had to have been. Um, but I wonder, you know, what, what would have happened if I hadn't fallen asleep like that? Who knows? My, you know, your life would be very different. And, uh, you know, again, like I say, I, life doesn't happen for the best. Life happens and it's up to you to make the best out of it. So, you know, I made the best of it. Um, eventually, I decided that I really just wanted to write and I just wanted a, a regular job to support myself. And I would write at night and on the weekends. And a friend of mine was, he was tempting to earn money. And he was getting ready to leave um, this job he had at a videotape wholesaler. And um, I said, well, here, why don't you tell your boss, I'll, I'll take over for you. And he did, and they hired me, and I spent 10 years there. And it was probably, you know, again, one of those things, how do, you, how do you really say if something was a mistake or not, if it brings you to the path you're on? Part of me wants to say it was the biggest mistake of my life because I wasted a lot of time there. It wasn't um, the people there. Some of them were good, but some of them weren't so good. And it didn't really help my career any. I mean, I was writing at night and on the weekends, but it's not like when I worked, when I worked for Disney, that was the 13 years I put in at Disney was awesome. I loved that. And even though I didn't have a stellar career at Disney, I loved being a part of that company and I miss it. I don't feel that way about the videotape company, but here's the big, but it was working at that company, that steady money that I was making and building up my bank account, that I had some savings. And that's when my dad talked to me about starting the Roth IRA, right? And I was able to every year put my contribution in, and it grew and it grew. Now, eventually, I got my job with Disney, and I started, a, you know, the real 401k. And the Roth one, I stopped putting money in, and it was just sitting there. So at the time... You know, you could look back at it and say, well, you fell asleep. You you lost any opportunity you were going to get, at, you know, working for Roger Corman. And you had to go on and get this dead-end job at a videotape wholesaler. But it was there that you started saving money. You know, maybe I could have got another job in the industry making as an intern or not making so much money or who knows. And... But where I was at, I was making that money and saving it. And that's how I started the Roth IRA. And when I got into the AMC movement, it was the money in the Roth IRA that was my entry into it. And if it does go to the moon, and that money that was in my Roth, I converted to AMC stock. And if I can sell that for a, uh, you know, again, hey, I'll hold as long as I can. The Roth, I can hold diamond hand that because I'm not going to see that money for seven years. The individual account, the cash account, it's a little different, you know. <laughs> we we got to, we have to have a little insurance on that. 
But the Roth we can hold. We'll diamond hand that for all you ex-apes, ex-ex-apes. We'll be diamond handing that Roth money and get as much as we can for that. But if it gets up there, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, God help us, a hundred thousand dollars. It's a ton of money. And I know it took a long time to get there, but if it happens, I'm in my you know early fifties, okay. And now I can retire a millionaire. A few times over, maybe. Maybe getting fired from Corman was the best thing that could have happened to me. Because it put me on the path that I'm on right now, talking to you. Who knows who's going to make the AMC 8 movie? Could be Roger Corman. Could be the Mulligan Brothers. Could be David Fincher or another filmmaker. But my hope is one day we find ourselves in that AMC movie theater with a big tub of popcorn, big Coke, and the lights go out, and you see the story that you are a part of on that screen. Now, as I end this, um, we're still in the Labor Day holiday weekend. Hope you have a happy Labor Day. Remember, somebody fought for you to have this holiday, this Labor Day. What are you fighting for right now? Finish that fight. Finish strong. But there's not going to be any MOAS in the next couple days. So obviously that won't be the next episode of the podcast. Um, What will be the next episode of the podcast? You know what? I'll tell you what it is. It'll be about the future of this podcast. And what I hope maybe it can be. What I thought it was going to be. And maybe what I hope it can be. And that will be the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.